You are now investigating the invisible. We. And AI. Hello and welcome to another episode of Investigating the Invisible, the podcast that seeks to question the way artificial intelligence is shaping the world around us. I'm your co-host, Peju Oshisania. And I'm your other co-host, Kevin Butler. We're really excited about sharing this episode with you. And as always, uh, we're diving deep into an AI topic and asking as many questions about it as possible. But today... We're going about it in a slightly different way. Yes, we are sitting down for a fireside chat with Philip Unter, an expert in conversational AI and one of the brilliant minds behind Amazon Alexa. Philip's been working in the field of conversational AI for 25 years. Formerly, he was the head of user experience at Amazon Alexa Skills, but now he's embarking on his own conversational AI venture called CCAI. Now, we've probably all had a go at asking Alexa for something, whether it's to find out about the weather or to look up ingredients uh, for dinner or play a song or, or whatever. Um, but it's not every day you get to ask the man behind Alexa. So we invited everyone in the We and AI group to come up with their best questions about conversational AI. Conversational AI, what's that? Well, we'll be talking about that as well as voice recognition, Amazon and more. Let's get started. Well, hello, Philip, and <laughs> welcome to the We and AI podcast. Uh, it's good to have you on board for this episode. We've been looking forward to it. Thank you. Well, it's wonderful to be here, and I appreciate the invitation. I'm really uh, looking forward to to uh, seeing what I can can share with everyone. Yeah, looking forward to learning about Alexa, conversational AI. We've got yeah, we've 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 got a lot to cover off. So, looking forward to this. Yes, it Excellent. is indeed an exciting uh, episode of our podcast. And we got a list of questions from members of the We and AI group, all about conversational AI. So I'm very excited to really get into these questions. Uh, the hope is, it, is that in addressing some of the questions, we'll manage to burst some of the myths around conversational AI and identify some interesting new questions we need to ask for the future. That's fantastic. I, uh, I, I love the fact that this, this, this group uh, really thinking deeply about what AI means for our future and, uh, and being you know, almost compelling themselves to, to look for the tough questions and ask tough questions. And uh, because it, that is, that's how we learn to incorporate these things into our lives well. So I'm, I'm excited. This sounds fun. So the first question I like, who is Philip Hunter and what does he do? <laughs> well, gosh, there's so many ways to answer that. Uh, the, 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 the most directly relevant part is um, I love to work with technological systems that can um, improve how people uh, create and build and make things that they're passionate about. So whether that's um, 
so I worked at uh, Amazon Web Services for a while, AWS, you know, massive technological um, capabilities, very diverse, um, and uh, and yet, and, and, and serving, you know, multi-billion dollar corporations and two people in a garage, uh, you know, creating a startup. Um, and I, I just, I really enjoyed that knowledge of that these, what seem like, you know, cold technical systems are out there just powering people to, to make things that they're very, that they, that, that some of them may help the world, some of them just may be a, another business, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, and, and we could talk about ethics and judgments and things like that later, but in general, I find that the act of creation is a very powerful thing for humans. Um, and it tends to lead in a more in a good direction than a, a negative direction. So I really I love doing that. Um, as part of that journey, I've spent a lot of time doing conversational systems, so spoken interfaces, text interfaces. Um, but I, but I also think about just the, the ideas of conversational styles of interaction in our graphical systems for the web and, and mobile as well. And so I, I care a lot about how user interfaces work, how they make people feel, um, how they can be better, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then the last thing is I, I just, I love the idea of collaboration. I love uh, people working together, sharing talents, whether they overlap or whether they're distinct or uh, a mixture of all of the above. And, um, and, and so using technology to help power collaboration is another thing that I, I love to spend time on. Um, aside from that, I, I, uh, I, I love living in Seattle. I, I live in a lovely location with my fiance overlooking uh, the lake and, and the western sunsets. And, and I love playing music. And, um, and uh, that's, that's sort of the simple version of me. So creation. Create, creation is a big big thing for you and i, I was just uh, thinking about this today but you know motivational factors for people and and uh, you know there's obviously you know friendship and family and you know a purpose but like cr to create something new is very rewarding yes yeah absolutely and and just the the and, and, and again you know going back to you know we need some boundaries parameters limits but Awaking the power of creation or the inspiration or the, the just the knowledge that I could make something is, is just, I think, is a fundamental part of being human. And it doesn't, you know, some people say, I'm not creative, I'm not this, but they're the same people who will go out to their, you know, they'll go whip up a wonderful meal or there's something like, no, this is all creation, right? This is all doing something that's beyond the, um, the minimum beyond the the um, just the basics and, and it's saying and it, and part of it's about putting a personal stamp on it you know like so anyway yeah I love it's it's great and, and of course uh, you helped to create Alexa so yes. uh, you you put your own personal stamp on that what what, what was that well um, so I worked in a, a part of Alexa called the Skills Kits which is uh, precisely to help developers, uh, external to Amazon, third-party developers, as we call them, uh, to create for the Alexa platform. And this, um, uh, and, and the, uh, the idea is, there, you know, was at the time that I was there, is that 
is to create an ecosystem of you know, creative people who are passionate about exploring this new space, this new way of interacting with things. Um, and the um, and, and so they, they needed a way to do that. Uh, so I just come from my days at AWS, and which is a, also developer-focused, of course. And so we spent a lot of time thinking about, okay, what does it mean for someone who uh, just wants to build things to, to build on this platform, but more more pertinent is what does it mean to build for a voice ecosystem that's different from the mobile ecosystem or the um, you know the web ecosystem uh, and and then what sorts of things might they do with it and it could be everything from you know there's a lot of silly um, practically useless stuff out there on on Alexa these days but at the same time there's some really interesting things that have been happening over the past few years yeah so uh actually before we get to learn more about alexa and, and talk about you know because you talk about the voice ecosystem um i think it's very important that we understand where that sits in the you know uh landscape of ai and you know what you know we we've heard of you know conversational ai and i wonder if you can just Talk to us about what that is and, and within that, you know, how Alexa fits in. Because, you know, I, I'm aware that there are a number of different systems uh, that operate within that ecosystem. Sure. So the, the simplest way to start there is, is the act of using your voice. And, and whether you get feedback from a device in, also in voice audibly or through some other, through a screen or even just a, an action happening, you know, in, in another part of your home, if you say, turn on a light, you want to see the light go on. Um, so the, the idea of, in general, the idea of using your voice is currently being labeled as conversational. Um, now, <clears throat> I have some distinctions uh, that I want to make there, but just to keep talking about the the, the simpler view, it's, uh, when we think about conversation, uh, one of the things we have to realize is that this is this is actually our interface with each other, right? This is before there was writing. Um, you know, it's probably some at some point after um, pointing and and um, hitting each other with sticks, we started to to make uh, noises that over time grew to mean. You know, those those noises started to become more and more differentiated, and then they started to different noises or collections of noises started to mean things. Um, and and so really, the the language, uh, the whole idea of language uh, evolved as a set of ways to transmit and understand meaning. Um, and now, of course, we use it for for many many things. Uh, some of which are very very meaningful. Some of which are very shallow in their their meaning some you know a lot of times conversation just fills in silence um and and we're okay with that I, it's just just one of the things we like to do with it um now conversation when it's applied to machines well we're not we're not to the same level uh we're not anywhere close to the level of using language with machines in the same way that we use it with each other and there's a number of really important uh, reasons for that um, that 
can that some of which are being worked on and some of which are are there's not much point in working on them quite yet but uh, there's also some obstacles to to keep us from getting there um, and one is that, that you see more and more talked about in the world today is just this idea of um, world knowledge or common sense some people call it but it's basically the idea that when we enter a conversation with another person there's a very 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 long and complex set of things that underlies even the simplest conversations for us to be able to have them effectively um, and where where we're at with conversational AI is that our 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 AI partner in that conversation is not capable of really understanding both all of the things that we bring to a conversation, but even more importantly, how all of those things work together to create a set of meaning that we are going to enter into with another uh, another person. So I'll give you a very quick example um, that I use in my talks. Two people, you know, back when we could meet each other for coffee face to face, two people getting together for coffee at a place that they both enjoy and one, you know, they sit down at the table, they've got their cups of, of coffee, their fancy lattes, whatever. And one person says to the other, the coffee here is really good. And the other person says, yeah, it really is. Now, we might think of that as just a total throwaway couple of lines just to, I don't you know, call it social bonding or, you know, breaking the ice or whatever. But just to exchange those two lines, so many things have to be true in for both of those people and in the world around us around coffee and the fact that it can be different, that it can be tasted, that it can be evaluated, that we both like coffee, that this place serves coffee that's different from other places that serve coffee, that there are places that serve coffee. You know, there's just this endless list of things that have to be true for that little exchange to take place. And where AI today, conversational AI is not, is is re being ready to or being able to handle conversations like that and what can it handle very clear directions turn this light on it's a if then this that if this then that format you know it's like these words are spoken these things are said or these things are done um, and that happens in three different layers there's the interpret there's turning basically analog speech into a digital representation of that speech there's AI and uh, machine learning involved in that. Then there's taking the text that results from that and turning and matching that with what what the these systems call an intent. So basically a, a something an instruction set that says this is what this person wants. Um, that's another uh, use of machine learning in there. And then you know especially for a system like Google Assistant or Amazon's Alexa, it's turning that instruction set. It's disambiguating it amongst many, many different possibilities that might uh, relate to it. So, for example, if I say, um, play Mulan, you know, the, the movie, uh, am I, or, or open Mulan, or, or, you know, something like that, am I talking about the movie, am I talking about the, the um, you know, I guess now there's two movies of it, there's a live action version and there's, a, there's the animated version. Uh, am I asking for the music to Milan, um, or if I start with something else that's like based on a, you know, a, a book series? Do I want to hear the audio book? 
Um, anyway, so there's this disambiguation that has to do with usage data and um, uh, probabilities and things like that, and that's also where AI is used, as well as for some of the organization of those different things. And so, because you know, the, the as as you know, with Google Assistant, Alexa, Siri, all these others, the response time is way better than it used to be, and 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 it's you know more along the lines of what we expect if we were if we had you know uh, a concierge in front of us where we could you know ask for something we want that to happen very quickly and there's a lot of so there's a lot of stuff that's happening in the you know few set relatively few seconds that it takes to get that um, it, you know, to do what you wanted it to do um, and so you know so the so at a very basic level there's that conversational expectation of i say something and i expect a result that matches something that i you know that's pretty darn close to what i said um and and that's a that's a fundamental principle of conversation but there are many many others that ai is not capable of yet a context for instance uh you know I, well even yeah. humans can get the context wrong sometimes that's where we get have misunderstandings so um right well and there's a lot of tools that we have at our disposal that we hardly even think about that but we use frequently to navigate situations where we detect we're misaligned on context or we misheard each other or uh you know or even you know and we do it to ourselves we say oh wait let me let me try to say that a different way i don't think i was clear you know so so we know how to do that ai doesn't know how to do those things yet it doesn't even know how to recognize those situations yet Right. So um, while we're on the, the point of Alexa, uh, the topic of Alexa, how do, how do we explain what, what Alexa is for those who have been living under a rock uh, the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, well, I, I think at a, at a very uh, simple level, the, the idea of assistance, of an assistant, is, is one that uh, most people can at least imagine. Uh, most of us haven't had an assistant uh, in our lives. Um, that tends to be a, a high-dollar thing, you know, whether it's in our job or especially if it's in our personal life. But but we we know most of us are aware of what this idea of an assistant is. Um, and so if we we think about it as uh, you know an assistant who who could do a, a fair number of interesting things that we seem to like doing, turning lights off without walking across our house or um, playing, playing music on demand, um, you know, there's a lot of usefulness to it. And so, so being able to say, well, hey, you have this assistant, it's not a person, sits in one place on your counter, your desktop or whatever, um, and you say things to it, um, they have to be pretty simple. Um, they fall into a fairly narrow range of, of activities that we like um, or that we have as part of our lives. Um, but you can use fairly normal language with it. You don't have to learn fancy words um, most of the time. You just, um, uh, you, you know, you, you say turn off the light or play this music or play, or um, ask me, you know, let's play a trivia game or something like that. Um, there's a lot of technology behind it. It's it's something that's much bigger than the the physical device that's you know sitting on that countertop, but um, it's uh, it's also something that does things for you that you are already doing. We, you know, most of us listen to music regularly. Most of us have lights and other things in our home that we control in various ways. 
um, uh, you know, I, I like to say this about mobile phones as well. Right? Think about the 90% of what you do on your mobile phone is probably something you did before you had a mobile phone. So it, it, it doesn't necessarily introduce uh, new activities into our life, uh, the, these virtual assistants, but, uh, but it does help us do things, uh, the same things in a way that we weren't necessarily doing before. And hopefully most of that is, is in a way that's faster, easier, more enjoyable uh, along those lines. Mm. Yeah. So, so if we move away slightly from the technical understanding of what Alexa is, uh, can we, can you talk a little bit to her personality? Uh, because, you know, we all have some form of, you know, device in our home. If it's not, you know, the, Hey Google tool, mm -hmm. it's the Alexa and it feels like a person, a member of, of, mm -hmm. of your family. I remember getting hours over Christmas and my kids really enjoying asking, you know, uh, all sorts of questions. So yeah. what is Alexa's personality? So, uh, that's a great I love this question because um, it, there's so many facets to it. So, uh, so the straightforward answer is Alexa is meant to be um, someone who is uh, a friend, uh, well, an acquaintance you might almost call a friend, but also someone who's there to do work for you. So it's, it's sort of like, you know, if we go back to that assistant metaphor, it's like, the assistant you might have had for a long time to the point where you almost think of them as uh, some level of friend or confidant that uh, you might say things to that you wouldn't say to another person that you work with on a regular basis. And so that, um, so, so that's one element of the personality is to sort of be this trustworthy assistant. Um, the other is, is, um, uh, that Alexa wants to be um, nice to be around, but not, um, let's say, a distraction or even obtrusive. So if you, I don't, you know, when Siri first came out in uh, 2011, one of the things that really got a lot of attention was her level of snarkiness. <laughs> you know, that you could mm -hmm. ask certain questions and you would get a little barbed answer or response back. Um, and, that, and then other times there was just some humor embedded in, in the response or things like that. And, and people initially loved that. And there's some reasons why that started to fall out of favor. But uh, Alexa never went with that. Now, you can ask for um, jokes. She'll tell you a joke. You can ask her to sing silly songs. Um, you can ask her, you know, quote unquote, personal questions, uh, and she'll have some answers about that. You can even say rude things to her, and she has some specific answers for certain things. But, um, but in general, the, uh, the personality is subdued, uh, is more uh, business-like than, or, or just sort of matter-of-fact than engaging, um, and, uh, you know, again, tries to be unobtrusive, uh, certainly they go, uh, they do a lot of work to make sure that Alexa is not offensive um, or even borderline offensive. And, you know, there's been some mistakes made in that area, but I, I can guarantee you that most of the, you know, that 
they were probably, well, I can almost guarantee you, I can't personally guarantee you, but that they were mistakes, you know, not, not something done on, on, on purpose. Um, right. So, uh, so that, you know, that, you know, really that it's just sort of that straightforward, um, a little bit more than acquaintance that you, you talked about a member of the family and I, 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 there is something very real sociologically about inviting a, a device that portrays human characteristics into our home, right? Our home is, is our most intimate space. Um, it's, you know, all sorts of things that are very, very personal happen there. And so to have a device that has some amount of intelligence um, within it or behind it, however you want to think about it, um, that's, a, that's a, an important choice. And a lot of people cho- yeah. choose against it. Other people welcome it and, and embrace it uh, in a much more open and um, interactive way. Yeah, and, and, and I guess for me, the key words that you've described uh, is more around, you know, being a helper, you know, that mm-hmm. assistance, mm-hmm. you know, uh, nice to be around. Mm-hmm. So is that why Alexa is female? I mean, it, what was the rationale for going for the name and, and, and for it to be uh, a woman? Yeah, well, so so first the name... Uh, it came from the Library of Alexandria. So just this idea of that at some point there was, you know, a, a place or a now a, an entity where you could access a tremendous amount of information, um, you know, potentially over time, knowledge, maybe not wisdom, but, you know, where, where there's this, you know, sort of treasure of, of what humanity has gathered over the years. Uh, and then putting it to a useful set of work in some ways. Now, um, so that's that's the, the 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 name started there. Once they had decided on on a uh, name that is most commonly associated with uh, females, female humans, um, the they also combined that with some research. And then this is where I think start, things start to break down. Some research that say says uh, more people are comfortable with a, hu- um, a female voice when it comes to having a, um, a constant presence around them uh, and, and interacting with them for needs and, and desires. Um, and I think there we run into uh, problems of historical of having a basically a historical bias that traditionally yeah. we have unfortunately put uh, females in many of those types of roles that were subservient or, um, or or just you know not the primary roles in a society, and so mm-hmm. it, it becomes familiarity really, not preference, that we are more comfortable with uh, a human uh, female voice in that role. Um, I think that that is one of the really uh, terrible missed opportunities with whether you're looking at Siri or Alexa or Google Assistant um, is to to say, how do we take this opportunity to focus familiarity on the things that matter, i.e. getting things done, doing things that we're used to getting done, being done, and less on the... um, 
uh, I guess I'll, call, I'll just call it the aesthetics or the appearance of, of familiarity, yeah. which has more to do with what the actual voice is. Yeah. So, so do you think that the personality would be would have been different if it was well, if Alexa was male? Um, not for Alexa, I don't think. Uh, it's just it, they've gone like Amazon in general. There's not a lot of flash as as a company. They're they're big, they're massive, they're everywhere, but they don't, you know, they don't have the same kind of you know branding, for example, as uh, as Apple has had for decades now, where it's much more around lifestyle and you know hipness coolness being on top of things at the cutting edge amazon has always been around let's get stuff done stuff that you always want to do i mean it's you know the, the shopping aesthetic uh for them is, is very much along those lines so i don't think uh male uh, turning the voice male would change the the personality the way we the way the actual personality is designed. Now, it might change the impression we have of it, certainly, but that then, you know, falls into the territory of being uh, starting to involve the listener and their perceptions of things versus just what Amazon themselves is trying to portray. And can you change the gender for Alexa? I think you can change the name, but can you change a gender? Could you have not, a male voice if you wanted to? Not on the core part of the service at this point. You could, um, if you build something, if a, if a third party, or I guess Amazon could do this too, but if you build something, uh, you know, a skill or voice application, you can uh, change the voice there. But Interesting then you know, there's still, yeah, still parts that wouldn't be available uh, though in, in that, that new voice, it would still be the, the same voice. Uh, you mentioned earlier about companionship, you know, and, and uh, Alexa is to be a friend. Uh, mm -hmm. I wonder what the usage rates have been like uh, during lockdown for, you know, there was a lot of people that would have been isolated. Would they have used Alexa more or less? Well, uh, the the research that I've seen on that, and of course, I haven't been part of uh, anything uh, internal to, to Amazon uh, during the lockdown, but um there there were already uh some you know case studies and and uh testimonials of of people who uh had found a certain level of companionship uh in having a device uh nearby and so i think it stands to reason that there's probably more of that happening now um i liken it to you know i i've never really liked working in silence and so times where i you know was doing things at home when i lived by myself i'd always have sometimes i'd have um uh, not usually the television but I, I would have the radio on and not just sometimes not just music sometimes i would just tr turn it to uh where i could hear human voices but i didn't i wasn't paying attention to it so it's sort of like you know working in a in a coffee shop or something where you just want this feeling of hey, there's people that are people like me around me um, or nearby, and so it's more of an emotional connection. So I think for some people that it's that as well. It's just reminding them that even though there's not another human physically present in their space, that there are other humans and that if, you know, that, that they have that connection available to them. Much like the feeling that a lot of our listeners will probably have by 
listening to this podcast while they're right. doing the cooking or working away. Right, right, right. Hopefully, hopefully they'll be getting a little bit more than just companionship out of it. But hey, you know what? I'm all right with that too. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, companionship uh, could be a good thing, definitely uh, for, for people, especially with the pandemic, uh, majority of us being, being stuck at home. And, you know, I mentioned earlier about, you know, looking uh, at something like Alexa as, as a member of the family. Mm-hmm. And because it's, it is present, as you say, you know, it, it, it listens and it, and it hears, you know, what is, is being said around it. Mm-hmm. So, so should we be worried about having Alexa in our homes you know what does Alexa really learn about us so um, so first of all uh, even before you turn Alexa uh, a device on uh, Amazon knows a great deal about you (laughs) and so so the first thing you you know you can reasonably think is that you know as soon as you start using Alexa uh, it she it knows what amazon knows now i say that but i really just mean that in the sense of factual information that is available uh when we think of someone knowing us we we go well beyond facts right we if someone knows uh if like let's say you know we have people who know our favorite tea or coffee um and they know they, just the idea of favorite, right, is something that's interesting to think about and that someone would act on that on our behalf is not necessarily something we expect a corporation to do with the same emotional um, content that we that a, a friend brings to that, right? So, so Amazon being able to ship our favorite tea to our door uh, and you know, we first of all, we would have to go and tell Amazon that, whereas a friend could actually pick up on, like, hey, every time we get together, you know, she orders this tea. Um, I think I'll get a box of it, you know, uh, for her, for just a little gift. Um, so Amazon isn't thinking of it that way. Alexa's not thinking of it that way. Um, but, um, yes, but anyway, going back to that first bit, that, that uh, Amazon knows – Alexa knows what Amazon knows. Um, secondly, um, you have to, I think you have to distinguish between what Amazon or what Alexa understands versus what Alexa hears. Um, so and I think a child analogy is the best thing for that. So if, you know, many parents um, go through this stage, these stages with their kids. So when their child is, you know, a newborn to, uh, let's say three years old or so, they kind of the parents talk openly about almost everything. Uh, once the child starts, they know that the child really starts to understand things. All of a sudden, some conversations happen in a much quieter tone or in a different room. They don't want the child to hear. Then, when they know the child is is uh, capable of wandering around the house without them knowing where where the child is, then they might start doing things like spelling words or something where even if the child hears, they're not, you know, they can't spell yet. And so they can't put those things together. Uh, it, when I was married before, my uh, my w- then wife and I could speak Spanish to each other. And so once we got past the spelling stage, our kids knew how to spell. Well, they still didn't know how to speak Spanish, so we could speak Spanish. So 
So our children hear us doing these things, but are they understanding? And the answer, of course, is no. They're not understanding for a while, but we do have to adapt, right? Because they learn how to how to you know sneak up on us, and they learn how to spell or things like that. And Alexa's you know similar. Now Alexa's learning things, um, but is she learning the things that she needs to to understand our daily life? Uh, not really. Now that being said. There's a technological issue here, and that is that recordings are being made, right? So even if someone, even if Alexa doesn't understand, a recording with sensitive information uh, has the potential to end up in the wrong person's hand, and that is that is a a, a it's a it's a real concern uh, in the sense that it can happen, but it's also a very improbable event. Um, so there's, I would say, if you have, you know, one of these devices, no matter which one, even if it's Siri and you have Siri always on on your phone, um, you don't need to start thinking, well, I better not say personal information out loud in my home. I don't, I don't think that there's really cause for that kind of uh, concern. Um, at the same time, uh, if you do have that kind of concern, and I won't argue with you about it. Um, I would say you need to change maybe how you approach having one of these devices in your home. And you can leave it on mute unless you're ready to use it. Um, or, um, you know, there's some other things you could be proactive about going out and seeing what's been recorded for you from you recently uh, and delete that. Um, uh, and then, I, you know, we'll see where Amazon, Google, and others you know, get to in terms of like really con helping control privacy, um, but uh, all, overall, I think I don't think there's a lot of concern that needs to be had uh, by everyday users of uh, of Alexa any more than you would be concerned about Amazon or Google knowing things about you that you know just by your your shopping history or your search history. Um, there's a lot they know about you. Uh, but a lot of it is pretty heavily regulated and um, and and not much of a concern, I think. Okay. So our next question uh, and our next bunch of questions, we're going to do like a, a ready fire group of them now. We're going to okay. We're, we're going to hit try to match you hard and fast, Philip. Okay. Um, Sounds good. All right. So let's let's move on to uh, a couple more questions that we've had from the We and AI members. Uh, the next one is about accents, dialects, mm -hmm. um, and how how where where is Alexa or where is conversational AI right now uh, with accents and dialects? Because uh, it doesn't seem to pick up um, enough of them from the feedback yeah. that we're getting. Right. Like something right. as something as, as as common as ama, which means mum, um, mm -hmm. you know, f and uh, which has been used by a large proportion of the Asian population. It, it's mm -hmm. it's not picking. Up. I, I, so. All of the assistants are well behind where they should be, um, and there's just no doubt about it. And, and there's several studies out there, some really terrible video. I mean, videos that show terrible things where you like. So one study involved um, folks here in the U.S. who uh, English was their second language. I had no trouble understanding these people as they spoke in a video. Uh, and Alexa just had all sorts of trouble. Uh, Google Assistant doesn't fare much better. They have a little bit of a broader range of languages that they theoretically can handle. 
but the real problem comes when someone is is uh speaking a non they're they're a non-native speaker of that language and so we 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 call it an accent even though we all have an accent it's just you know the accents in the ear of the listener not the the speaker necessarily and so the um so we've got a long way to go there, uh, and, I, and I think where the frustration happens is, again, when that non-native speaker of, of the language that Alexa is currently operating in uh, runs into trouble very quickly. Uh, I will say, on a hopeful note, we are seeing a massive explosion in um, data set generation and data set manipulation these days that I hope will carry into uh, to areas like this where um, the the, un, the the first part of the understanding is uh, is really what's being impacted, and so hopefully that you know that first layer of getting the audio signal turned into a a, a, a string of text properly uh, sees a lot of benefit from the the advances we're seeing in data sets. Uh, is in the near future for conversational AI. Well, one thing that I'm uh, let me think of which way I want to go with this. Um, so right now, I, I, I didn't mention this earlier, but I do see the term conversational AI being very misused. Um, so let's look at chatbots. So chatbots, from a conversational perspective, are just like us having a text message conversation or a, um, you know, maybe a social media or a Slack conversation message where or, uh, interaction where it's just in text, but we're, you know, it's the rules around it are pretty informal and loose, and and, um, and it's meant to be rapid fire more than uh, you know some sort of formal exchange of language. Um, and but what we're seeing a lot in chatbots these days are just the idea that it's a chatbot that's not the website. It, all of a sudden, it becomes a conversational interface, and I just I, I just 100% reject that. Uh, because what I'm seeing is, is 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 just a lot of buttons thrown up into a little rectangle uh, on the lower right part of your screen, um, and and then it becomes basically a, a cheap version of a mobile application, um, you know, where the design is bad, the buttons are bad, the and and more importantly, you know, I, I think we'll. If if they need to just put some buttons down here in this corner, why not why not just make the website better? Uh, you know, we, we people are much more familiar with a website uh, with websites than they are with how automated chat uh, sh could work. Um, so I, I, I get really frustrated by that, and I, 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 some of the writing that I do is is uh, is and will be aimed at, at those sorts of things. So I, I want to see. I do think there's a place for chatbots. There's a place for automation with AI, and and, um, and there's some real usefulness. Um, but it really comes down to, as with many tools and technologies that we already talked about, how does the the tool wielder um, use it, uh, and what it you know what is created is what is created good. Is it is it beneficial? Is it uh, does it behave in a way that helps the the user of it? feel confident or feel like they can predict a good outcome. Um, so I, I, I want to see those sorts of qualities uh, built in, not just uh, tech, uh, applications of the technology. I want to see usefulness, enjoyment, um, efficiency, um, uh, confidence, 
I want to see those things built in. I think we're getting better at it. There's this whole new generation of people who are designing conversations up until 2015, 2016. There are a few hundred of us in the world, seriously, like in, no exaggeration. And, uh, you know, now they're, you know, my, my LinkedIn feed is full of all of these fresh new faces, which is great because we need, we do need more of them. But I like with any uh, discipline, uh, there's a set of things that, that people need to learn. One of the things, too, that I try to shine a light on is that language is not what you decide it is. Language is language. Uh, language is what we as humanity do with it. Um, and so and, and we have some really specific ways that we use language. Most of us are so good at it that we don't think about it. I'm, re I'm reading this book. Um, uh, I just started a book called Talk. Uh, it's about the science of language, and it's, it's really good. And one of the key things that the author says is we all know about talking, but we don't know about the science of talking. And that's a really, really crucial statement because there is a science of how we speak uh, and how we listen. And uh, the the author, she does a re she's done so far, I'm not very far into the book, but she's just doing a really great job of breaking it down and showing what the science is in a very simple and clear way to me. Um, and the distinction between looking at conversation as uh, from a scientific analysis point of view versus the person engaging in it, you know, and 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 you know, in, in the same way, you know, you were talking about pharmaceutical, we we're talking about pharmaceuticals, bio, um, uh, biology, and biomedical science. You know, I I take medications on a daily basis. I know what they do for me. I don't have any idea how they do it in general. Um, but I trust that there's a science behind it. I know there's a science behind it, and I know it's good for me, and I know what it does for me, and I know the benefit I experience. And I appreciate that somewhere there's a group of scientists who worked on that. Uh, and, oh. you know, and, and so we need to have the, the conversation designers, conversation, conversational technology builders need to have more of that scientific attitude about it. Um, it. Just because you know how to talk doesn't mean you know how talking works. So that's that's my big hope is that we we get a lot better at that in, in the near term. Yeah, and and I guess as conversational AI uh, in its own right, you know, uh, becomes more advanced and built up, the adoption uh, is going to increase, mm -hmm. and the adoption is not only going is not only going to be a personal choice; it will seep into other areas of our lives without us even realizing right. it. So one of the questions that we got through actually asked specifically about your thoughts around, you know, governments adopting um, uh, conversational AI uh, uh, within, you know, their, their departments mm -hmm. and, and different organizations. Mm -hmm. Well, I think like, uh, you know, again, to go back to our discussion of tools, uh, you know, tools could be good for a number of different things. And I, 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 I think, you know, certainly speaking on, on behalf of the U.S. government, we could do with a lot more clarity and simplicity, um, both in how our governmental systems work, but also in the ways that uh, everyday citizens can engage with those uh, governmental systems. And, and um, you know, so, so we have an infamously complex and strange tax code, right? And uh, for as much for a country who says they hate taxes as much as we do, founded on the whole idea of hating taxes, we have created
created this just monstrous tax system. And I know every year I have at least one question, and I really don't know where to go to, you know, I don't know if I should be using a product for this. I don't know if I should wait for three hours on the phone to talk to somebody at the IR, the, our revenue service. But it's just, uh, it, it's very difficult. And so I think one of the beauties of conversational AI is allowing people to ask questions in a way that, that feels natural to them, and then having a system that can respond to that, both in the sense of, understanding what they say and then connecting them with the right uh, help or understanding that, that the system needs more information and, ha and, and has a very graceful way of asking for that informa that additional information in a way that, that you know, the person still feels confident and feels um, like they've made the right choice to engage uh, this way um, and, and obviously, of course, can still get the answer. So. Um, I'm not aware of, I, I mean, I know some of the major providers sell conversational systems to, to different governmental entities at all levels, state, federal, local, um, but, um, uh, but I don't know of, an, of a, a large-scale effort to get, you know, the government to adopt, you know, good, uh, you know, uses of, of this technology. Uh, and, and even more to the point, there's a relatively new um, part of our government um, uh, called 18F, which is um, I can't remember what that code stands for, but the, basically it's a it's a science. I mean, it's a, a design and technology arm of the government to to really try to bring a number of our interfaces up to sort of what we would consider modern web and mobile practices. Um, so I don't know if that team itself has been begun investigating. Um, conversational uh, AI. Well, you should tune in to our, I think, one of our next episodes. We're going we, we're going to be interviewing the UK government and asking them these questions. Uh, so I would we'll love to hear that. What they're yeah. doing and how they're promoting AI, great. conversational AI. Um, now, the next question could have a huge answer. So okay. Let's, okay. let's not bore everyone <laughs> to death on security. <laughs> What are the, the data the data security challenges with conversational? Well, uh, so I actually don't think they're any different than most of our other technologies. The one uh, obvious difference is that if you're using a uh, if you're using a verbal version of a conversational technology in public, then uh, you run the risk of you know people overhearing. And we have going all the way back in, in my history, 20 years ago. This this has been a concern. You know, people uh, when they're outside of their home, as they should be, they're wary of of saying sensitive information out loud, whether it's a um, you know a, a credit card number or a, you know our, our what we call the social security number, our sort of our governmental ID. Um, there's uh, you know you you want to be aware of your surroundings and who might be listening. Um, and you want, you know, and, and there's, you know, more F, uh, emphasis now than ever on just the, the security of our networks. Um, I, I do think there's a last, what I would call a last mile problem for Wi-Fi and people, you know, thinking that they can they can just take the defaults when they set it up and they have a secure system. I don't think it works that quite that well in, in most of our homes. 
Um, so you you know you do want to be careful there, but but all of that really has to do with the infrastructure and much less the 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 idea of conversational AI in and of itself, uh, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, so do you know if people have much control over the information that is recorded uh, by conversational AI? I mean, we talked earlier about, you know, um, you know, recording, you know, on the Alexa, being able to listen to it. Not uh, So do you think we have much control over that? Um, not really, no. Um, although, again, uh, and I, I don't say this to downplay the, the concerns, but it's not a lot different than the level of control that any of us thinks we have when we're browsing the web or using our mobile phone. There's a, you know, there the... Even though we may think, oh, this is a, a Google device or an Apple device or, you know, whatever brand, like when we open up a web browser or do anything else that connects to the Internet, um, we are, our data is being passed through this just monstrously huge web of, uh, no pun intended, of, of different providers and different you know, hardware sites and, and data centers and all of, and processors. And, you know, you, you start to talk about cookies or uh, companies that share data with each other. Um, and so whether that your input is going through your mobile phone or uh, an Alexa or Google Assistant device, um, it, it's, it's all it's all going into you know the the cloud so to speak you know this massive network uh, global network we have so um and and as we know or as many of us know and i, I assume this is true in, in uh, most countries that uh you know that you know if you you browse once one site site or two of, on the internet and you know you go to another site and you see an ad for the place that you just visited so, you know, there's there's all of these sorts of, you know, data at different levels, whether it's just mere presence or behavioral data all the way to, you know, what we would call personal information, which could be everything from our government IDs to our credit card numbers to, just to our address. Um, it, it, the, um, the, the, the information is moving around and we don't have a great deal of understanding of what's there, much less the idea of what we would control if we could. Um, the, the only thing you can really do with these um, virtual assistant systems that where you use your voice is go and, and ask for a recording or not, you, you can tell them, delete the, the recordings you have of me. And, and there's, they will now, uh, that wasn't true a couple of years ago, but uh, they, they will do that now. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that some aspect of your data doesn't live on, um, and uh, and it certainly doesn't mean that you should not pay attention to you know where your personal data is is being shared. Um, but uh, control, I think, is would you know the, the, I don't think there's a lot of level of control there um, because it hasn't been solved for the internet uh, and mobile phone systems at large. So, so with this uh, kind of more mass trust adoption and usage of uh, voice assistants in, in particular, mm -hmm. you know, with their their popularity, what do you, like think about the future. Um, 
Could we see future generations becoming less accustomed to writing? <laughs> well, I, I, wow, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> at the same time, I think that we used writing for a lot of things that we don't necessarily need to use it for anymore. Um, however, that said, so I guess what I'm saying is there's a, there's a growing distinction between formal and informal communication. Um, whereas in the past, you know, depending on how far back you go, there was uh, a lot of emphasis, emphasis between if you didn't know someone that you were going to have a formal uh, level of, of communication. So, you know, in many languages, there's informality, formality, like formal verbs, formal forms of pronouns, and informal um, versions of pronouns and verbs. And, and so that sort of class distinction, and I mean that in the most general sense, but that, that classification distinction, let's say, people I know and I'm familiar with, people I don't know and I'm unfamiliar with, how we speak to them was different. Now we don't we don't have that as much. We you, you still pick it up in some areas, especially if it's a if sort of an official setting, um, but you know by and large we are I think we're moving more towards and it maybe even a better thing a uh, better way to say it is uh, a less structured version of communication and and in places where we need more structure. So uh, if you want to write a good blog post for example, discussing a, a particular topic, there's some really crucial elements that you need to include and some really important considerations for how you phrase your words and shape your paragraphs and things like that. And so that sort of writing is uh, critical. And whether you do that in longhand with a pen first and then type it in or whether you type it directly into the computer, uh, we could talk about the benefits and differences there. But in general, you know, most of our writing today is going to end up in a digital form. Um, but the same sorts of rules apply when it needs to be a structured message. Uh, less structured communication, casual conversation, quick sharing of information, even if it's uh, for business purposes or official purposes. Um, you know, we, we have started to, you know, that's, that's already started to break a lot of the old ways of doing things. Uh, and I could point to a hundred examples, but won't uh, for time's sake, but there's a great book out there called Because Internet. And if you want to see like the, you, that people can, can uh, by Gretchen McCullough, uh, she is a, a linguist and, and sort of an internet historian. Uh, and she does a marvelous job of breaking down this idea of it is, is the internet basically, or, or mobile phones or whatever, making people worse at writing. And her answer is no when it's writing for certain purposes. But the other things don't matter. So, and the other things have their own level of sophistication. Just because something isn't structured doesn't mean it's not sophisticated. So anyway, if anyone really wants to dive into that topic, I, I, I can't uh, recommend that book strongly enough. A key part of, of this uh, this podcast series is really it's a it's about arming people or listeners mm -hmm. with the questions that they need to ask in order to you know improve AI and understand it better and and help really with mm -hmm. the the positive evolution of it. So, what's the question that we should be asking about conversational AI and its role so in our lives? So the question there is is a, is a question I would ask about any 
technology or almost any purchase even that we make or anything we it doesn't necessarily have to meet, involve money but something we bring into our lives what why are we really bringing it into our lives i think it's all it's helpful for us all to understand very deeply why we choose to uh, bring a thing into our lives whether it's uh, a sophisticated technology or even just a simple thing for our household um i'm i'm i I, as we talked about earlier, I love creation. It doesn't mean everything that's created needs to be part of my life. Um, I want to have things that are in my life that, that do good for me, whether it's emotionally or uh, helps me live my life better through uh, activity or you know some other benefit. Uh, I want things that are meaningful to me. Um, so I make choices about quality or aesthetics based on that. And I think those are the sorts of questions that anyone faced with it, especially a technological decision, because technology tends to have sort of network effects that we're not always thinking about when, when we bring it into our lives. So I think it's even more crucial to say, what am I bringing this into my life to do for me? Um, and, and, and look at the answers to that. And if, if the answers aren't pretty strong and convincing, then I'd say, put it off, you know, wait, see where it goes and then decide later rather than bringing something into your life and then saying uh, six months later, I don't know what I'm doing with this. I haven't talked to it in six months. Uh, why, why did I ever buy this thing? <laughs> so a lot easier to, to put, put the decision off, or a lot better in my view, to put the decision off uh, rather than reach a level of dissatisfaction and, uh, and sort of you know, strike it out from then on out. So, so it, it just, it can I, if I can summarize on that, uh, are you saying understand the value of this, this tool before you invest in it? No yeah, 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 yeah. Understand the value yeah. for your life. Uh, you're going to see all sorts of, yeah, all sorts of marketing messages that will tell you all the magical things that it can do. Uh, look at those and decide what's important for your life. All right. Thank you very much. I think that's the end of our questions. This has been a, well, it's been a fascinating chat. <laughs> uh, I've learned a hell of a lot more about conversational oh, AI. Awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. That's, that's what I live for. So Kevin, wasn't that an informative session with Philip? Yes, oh, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I'm, I'm so glad that uh, all of the We and AI members contributed with so many great questions because uh, I got to learn a load. Yes, yes, indeed. And, um, you know, we have Alexa in our homes. We're starting to take it for granted, but it's really, uh, really good for us to be able to understand how it works, how it fits in and challenge our assumptions about it, really. And it is really invisible, isn't it? You know, it's, it's yes. It, it, so it's a it's a great episode to to dig into to delve into. Um, so hey, what what the what stood out for for you in that interview? Well, I mean, the the biggest learning for me is that Alexa isn't going to replace us as humans yet. Okay, so it can do tasks for us. You know, very directional tasks like switch on the lights, switch it off. But, you know, even though, you know, the whole field is being called conversational AI, you really can't have a conversation with it as yet, like you would with your human housemate or friends, right? 
yeah yeah it's, it's kind of like two monologues uh and us having to adapt to its uh, capabilities Indeed, rather, than, rather than a full flowing conversation which is you know the promise but it's, that's not where we are yeah so there's still hope for us humans you know the machines are definitely not taking over so i found that quite reassuring in the conversation yeah it, it does seem like it's a long long way away from data on star trek uh <laughs> we're, we're a long <laughs> way away from that yes so what else stood out for you kevin so so on that point really uh it, it, it can't understand the context recognize situations he mentioned about mulan you know play mulan well what mulan is that is it the old one is it the new one is it the play is it the music is it the soundtrack whatever um so that's kind of it's not really convenient it's probably easier for you in some situations to just you know execute the task yourself um one thing i think it was really interesting was about um uh he did he, he didn't give this at the very beginning but he started kind of to, to talk about how we use AI now, right? Mm -hmm. And we're using it as a new way to carry out old tasks. So we're just basically trying to improve the efficiencies in what we exist, what we're doing right now. We're not thinking in the capability of what AI can actually do for us. So that's, I thought that was quite interesting. Yes. And, you know, that goes to show that there's still a long way to go with the whole field of AI. So where people worry about AI becoming something that takes away from them, you know, that fear of the unknown, um, I think or I hope, you know, this conversation has served some sort of reassurance to them to say at the moment we can use it, you know, as a tool in our lives, but it's certainly not going to take over. Not for, well, not in my well, lifetime. Not for a while, think, precisely. But, but let's investigate. I think that's, that's, that's one person, uh, well, you know, I'm looking forward to, to talking to a number of people to, to let, let's see what, what comes out of that. Um, yes. Um, the, what, what else? What else came out of that? Alexa, well, what's its sole purpose, really? Uh, you know, it just wants to sell you stuff. That's it. Please buy yes. more stuff from me. That's all I want. That's why I was designed. Indeed, it listens, it, it records, it picks up on keywords in order to uh, really refine targeted adverts to you, That's in it. essence. Yeah, yes. it, it's going to make it easier for you to order whatever you want from the comfort yes. of your own home. And or, what, or whatever you, you think or may have mentioned in a conversation will easily appear on the ad next to your email so you can order it yeah and that's a bit scary i think we've all got our own examples of times when we had a conversation and an ad pops up and you go well that's yes. just too weird I, I, how did that happen <laughs> it happened recently this week to me and i was kind of going what really how how is that yes yes anyway uh so on that point i think we what what philip mentioned was when you're not using alexa switch it off yeah use indeed. that mute button and, mm -hmm. and, and and if you really want to, you can have, you know, all of your old files deleted, um, you know, but we, sh we should really be looking into that. You know, what kind of information is stored? What can I see that has been stored? Am I comfortable with that? Yes. Um, yeah. like, 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 so we, I don't have Alexa as a, um, uh, it's not always on in, in the house. I have it just through my TV and I have to press a button in order for Alexa to hear what I'm, what I'm saying. That's so enough. that's perhaps another way of controlling having that device in your house instead of just having it on all of the time. 
Yeah, but then again, you've got your mobile phone, which is on all of the time. I don't know. I, I, I <laughs> you don't can't know. win. You can't win. <laughs> no. Well, I guess the uh, the other thing, uh, the other part of the uh, chat that I really enjoyed is actually understanding how they came up with the name Alexa and, you know, the sex of Alexa or gender, so to speak. So female, we all think of Alexa as female and the conversation around how we are imposing our impression of Alexa on the expectation of Alexa. What did you think about that, Kevin? Yeah, I thought that was that was quite interesting um, that a female voice is apparently more comforting, um, which probably reinforces uh, the you know unconscious bias about gender Indeed. roles. Mm-hmm. So it's not helping things, really, is it? Um, so maybe maybe they can find a, a male soothing voice. Who knows? And then we we will interact with it differently. So perhaps when, you know, the male Alexis tells us to do something, we probably listen more <laughs> and be on alert. Because my kids certainly don't listen to me <laughs> at home. <laughs> <laughs> Who could we get? What male voice could we get? Like Morgan Freeman Ooh. or something like that? Yes. Uh, a deep, nice, lovely tone would do nicely. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, okay. uh, and the other, the other piece I kind of I thought was interesting. We didn't have time in, in this, uh, but you mentioned a book about the the science of conversation. Um, yes, I'd love to find out more about that. You know how we listen, how we converse. What you know because that's that's part of the reason why they chose a female voice, for example, as part of the personality. Um, but you know what she listens to and how she responds and all of these things. So yes. I'd like to I'd like to learn more about that. Yeah, and conversation is certainly, well, the art of conversation is certainly something that we take for granted because we all talk to, you know, one another and we think we are conversing. But are we really conversing? Are people listening, understanding what we're saying? Are we getting our messages across? Actually being able to, you know, dive into understanding how technology is trying to understand the art of conversation would make us think about what we're achieving in our conversation. So I think that was a good uh, learning opportunity there. And in many different areas that we've looked into, we're, we're finding that um, in order to understand how to make AI work well, we have to understand how we work. Yes. Yeah? So yes. if I want to replicate a conversation, I have to understand how humans talk and communicate with one another. Um, so that's, that, that's fascinating. Yeah, so this whole journey of AI, uh, and as we've been talking to other guests, is further reinforcing to me that it's an opportunity for us to learn about ourselves, you know, and and we see the good, the bad and the ugly as we are developing AI systems, which is, you know, fascinating and interesting if you have an interest in AI like we do, Kevin, but can be uh, a worry for people looking from the outside in. Yeah, and it's. I think you can see from some of the developers we've talked to is uh, the the more they understand about like you know how humans work, they they they're like rubbing the sweat off their brow, saying, "Oh my God, we'll never be able to recreate this. <laughs> this is we are far too complex to to be replicable." Yes. 
Yeah. So we, yeah. we shouldn't take our ability to be creative um, uh, and, and, you know, the fact that we're clever. We shouldn't take it for granted as humans. All right. We really hope you enjoyed today's episode. It was fantastic to chat to Philip. After all, there is no better way to learn about conversational AI than by having a conversation. If you have a question we didn't cover in this episode, tweet us at We and AI Podcast and give us a follow while you're there too. If you like this episode, make sure to rate us or even share with your friends. It really helps us to keep making more. And of course, subscribe so you can keep investigating the invisible. <laughs>